Hello, and welcome to Stationery Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by the ever-optimistic Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's your side of the world today? It's it's all right, Justin. It's been it's been a bit awkward today. There's been things going wrong that I haven't particularly enjoyed, uh, but that I guess is life. How are things in Canada? Oh, lovely and warm. We have sun. We have shorts. Um, I have pasty legs, but that's a whole different story. But yes, it's it's finally spring has sprung a month or two late. I have patio furniture out back that I could sit out and look at the grass and watch it try to grow because, again, cold for spring so far. How's uh, the Coptic storms? Are you guys finally clear of all the dust and back into some nice warmth yourself? Uh, well, it's the last of it now. Um, there's still some weather knocking about um, and there's still some dust knocking about. So I've got a little bit of, um, uh, it's like, a, it, it feels like a throat infection. It isn't, but uh, I still got a little bit of that going on. Um, and yeah, it's it's unseasonably cool, which is great. Uh, it's fantastic for me wandering around a golf course. It's perfect. Um, but lots of people now are saying, no, no, come along. Where's summer? Summer should be here by now. Um, particularly uh, some friends of mine. I'm going to a wedding uh, as we record the day after tomorrow is the wedding. Um, and these people have flown over from Wales. There's lovely look you. Um, and uh, I was a little bit worried because there's a lot of rain in the forecast and thunderstorms. Um, but I spoke to, well, I didn't speak, we messaged with um, <laughs> with, with our friends who went, oh, it's ever so hot, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so they're loving it. Um, and I guess we're just getting acclimatized. I suppose that's what's, what's happening to us. I'd like to get acclimatized to this, Stu. It's, uh, I was like 27 on the weekend. It was warm for us. Heavens, that is warm. Yeah, it's quite nice. Uh, again, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Especially when you get out and uh, sit up on a mountain enjoying a fire in it. Lovely. Anyway, um, what's new and exciting follow-up? Uh, anything you want to talk about? Uh, follow Well, I'm still GTDing. Um, so, I mean, that must be a record. I'm, I'm coming close to a month, Justin. Wow. You did a second weekly review? I'm impressed. I, I believe this may even be my third, Justin. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, I even bought some nice new trays. So I, I have some physical in trays, uh, a little stack of three. Um where I've got um, an in tray, I've got a little projects tray, and I've got a, a stationary tray. Very exciting. <clears throat> I really need help. Why do I think there's a new line coming to Nero's notes shortly? <laughs> well, uh, you know, with the joys of shipping, if I were to say <laughs> to Claire, it's all right, we're going to start doing trays, I think she would hit me. Um, and actually, big shout out to Claire. She is uh, She's doing the Three Peaks uh, this weekend. Uh, so by the time this goes out, she would have done the Three Peaks. So that's the three highest mountains uh, in the United Kingdom, which, you know, it's not the Himalayas, granted, but, I mean, they are sizable peaks. Uh, she's walking up all three of them and down again in 24 hours. Um, so essentially you, you sort of whiz up one, whiz down, jump into a van, drive to the next one, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's Ben Nevis in Scotland, uh, Scarfell Pike in Yorkshire, uh, Northern England, and uh, Snowden in Wales. There's lovely look here. Um, that's a lot of walking. Hmm. Um, I've I've done a little bit of stuff in the Pyrenees on the Camino, and there's everybody gets very worried about the up. I got very worried about the up, and the up nearly killed me, I have to say. Um, but it did not prepare me for the difficulty of the down. Um, there are muscles I didn't even know I had that started aching. Um, so yeah, good luck, Claire. Break a leg. No, 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 sorry. Wrong. Uh, have a nice walk. There we go. Hmm. How big are the, uh, the peaks in England? I'm just curious. I'm trying to Google them as we talk. Uh, well, I say one is, one is Scotland, one is Wales, one is England. Um, uh, I don't know, but they've got to be, they've got to be We're coming up towards 2000 meters. I'm going to say for Ben Nevis, maybe. I don't know. Let's have a look. Let's get Googling. Perfect podcasting, this. Ben Nevis is 1,345 meters. There you go, 4,500 feet. Mm -mm. Uh, and that's the tallest um, because everything in Scotland is bigger, obviously. 
Um, mm-hmm. You spot the Scott. Uh, and although I've got some news on that, I, mean, I, might, be, might, I might be changing nationality. Uh, Snowdonia. Uh, 1,085 for Snowden, from what I just saw. Yeah, there you go, 1,000 meters. And Scarfell Pike is uh, 978. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that, that's a lot of meters when you're walking up them, uh, is the thing I would say. Oh, definitely, definitely. Very interesting. So you're changing, because uh, I was actually doing uh, our show notes for the last episode and was listening to um, Shetland's BBC radio this morning, trying to <laughs> understand just how bad uh, the accents were or how good they were. Uh, I could understand it, but they were definitely very Scottish. Uh, so who, where, where are you moving to and what are you doing? Are you becoming a Cypriot and, uh, you know, trading in the BMW for a uh, little beat up pickup truck so you can drive around like a Womble or something? <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I may go down the Cypriot route, although I do have to take a test in Greek language if I want to become a Cypriot citizen. And my Greek is, well, shall we say rudimentary. Um, on the other hand, I do have an Irish grandparent. Well, I don't, but I did have an Irish grandparent, which gives me the right to become an Irish citizen. Um, and from there... I could be um, an Irish passport holder, which is within the European Union and therefore can get me in shorter queues uh, at airports, depending on where you're going. So uh, I may apply for an Irish passport. I'm not sure yet. There's a, I think it's a nine-month process to, to get Irish citizenship, largely because of all the Brits are going, oh, Brexit, dashed inconvenient. What? I'm going to get an Irish passport. Um, Hmm. And so to all the people who voted Remain, um, they will be absolutely furious with me because I, I did some unthinkable and un, unforgivable things. Um, a, I voted Leave, uh, and B, I left. So, so um, having said, yes, let's leave the European Union, I immediately moved to the European Union. Well, you did vote and, you know, you followed through, you left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure that's how everybody else thought it worked. Um, and so, yes, if I were now to say, oh, look, it's expedient for me to have an Irish passport, um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people spitting nails at that. But uh, ho-hum, I dare say I'll survive. All right. Based on your view, 2020 hindsight, mm. was this a good vote or not? Um, Well, it's a complicated one, this, because... Were I given the vote again, I would still vote to leave. But the reason that I was keen on leaving and am keen on leaving the EU is, I think, different from many people's view of why people vote to leave. Um, And what I find confusing is that we voted to leave the EU with all of the sort of upheaval and difficulty that that caused. Um, And then didn't really change anything, Um, which strikes me as the worst of all worlds. I mean, if you're going to leave, then you have to say, we are the UK and this is what we offer you world, whether that, you know, be trade terms or whatever. You kind of need to differentiate yourself rather than leaving and saying, we're just like Europe, but English, which is kind of what we've done. Also sounds like 2020 sort of vision saying, um, I voted for Brexit and nobody did it right. And I appreciate how that sounds. But I do genuinely think that neither the leavers nor the remainers got what they wanted. Uh, Because we have this weird sort of hybrid thing where all the politicians, I think, are sort of, um, they'd really like to be back in the EU and they're kind of pretending that we're in the EU, which just makes makes us desperately unattractive to anybody, I think. Because we're, you know, small, inconsequential island off Europe. But there you go. As a large uh, landmass just north of that thing called America, uh, I understand this. Well, we're Canadian and we want to be American, but we don't want to be American. That uh, do we get closer? Do we not? Yeah, I get it. It's a it's a pain. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's 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 a lot to come on this, and it's you know we're getting all of the downside now with with no upside, uh, which is nasty, nasty, nasty. But 
you know, I think people are still very entrenched in their views. Those that wanted to leave still want to leave. Those that wanted to remain still want to remain. Um, and I mean, it's just a divisive thing. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to get any better anytime soon, but at least I suppose the best way of putting it is we have some grown-ups in charge now. Um, the sort of last year in British politics have been, well, extraordinary. I mean, just bizarre, really. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk politics for heaven's sake. What about you? What's your follow-up? Uh, no follow-up this week, really. Uh, nothing exciting happened. No. I, I do have a tool of the week, though. Uh, well, mm. a tool of the week that impacted my productivity. Honeydew lists. We got some good weather. Nice. Uh, you know what that means? My wife's list comes out. Oh. And of course, well, honeydew lists take priority. Happy wife and all that. Um, yeah, killed a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to do. On the bright side, the garden is looking a whole lot better. Wife is Great. happy. I'm allowed to sleep in the house, not in the doghouse. So it's all good. But yeah, not exactly the most productive of weeks outside of, you know, the jobby job hours that uh, I claim as my own. How about you? What was your tool of the week? Uh, well, we had some bad weather, uh, some, you know, proper rain and stuff, which sort of drove me into the office at a time I wouldn't be at the office, uh, which enabled me to get a load of things done. Uh, so I got um, all of my sort of archive filings sorted out. There was lots of um, shredding going on and getting everything scanned and digital records and sort of makes me feel a little bit more in control. I mean, that's probably an illusion, but, um, and then the downside of that is the sort of third parties that are supposed to be doing things, um, on the highly do list are kind of not doing them. So in front of my office now, as I speak, I've got three sheets of polycarbonate, which need to be sort of fitted to a terrace which is kind of supposed to happen on Saturday if the weather isn't as bad as it's predicted to be. Next to the sheets of polycarbonate, I've got a whole load of junk that needs to be disposed of and should have, in fact, already gone, but didn't because the guy who was going to do it hasn't turned up. Um, so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit of double teapot action, Justin, where you know the, uh, the current Mrs. Lennon's got both hands on, on the hips going oh. well, quite a lot, um, which is is never a good thing. That is never the precursor of something good. However, I am whisking her away to the other end of the island for a wedding tomorrow. So hopefully while we're at the wedding, I can phone some people and say, seriously, lads, get on it, get it sorted before I get back, please. What are you doing with the dogs tomorrow? Uh, they are going on their little um, uh, holly, holly bubs. They go to their... Um, it's a home border. Uh, they go as a trio, uh, and the border is very, very kind. It doesn't charge us for Chicago because she's a foster. So um, they will be off in the mountains. They'll be part of a pack of probably, I don't know, maybe eight to ten. Uh, and they love it up there. They have a terrific time. Ah, which means you can go to the wedding and let your hair down. <laughs> yeah, we are there for three full, well, four days, three nights. Um the wedding is on the Thursday and we don't leave until the Saturday. Uh, the wedding party uh, from Wales, there's lovely, um, are all on an all-inclusive. So I suspect there are some sore heads already um, as much alcohol has been consumed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the next three days sort of roll out. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun to see some old friends, uh, make some new ones. And yeah, weddings. Weddings are lovely. Yeah, I've been to a couple. I was in a couple. <laughs> Not so sure I agree with you there, Stu. Anyway, let's get back onto it. What's your pen and ink of the week? Uh, no change for me. So I'm still, I've still got four on the go, but really enjoying my Kaweco Brass Sport. Back in my little pocket pen, uh, in the pocket of my golf trousers, just available to take notes. Love it. What about you? you using anything good? Yeah, well, I was, my wife hit me up with this. I need a pen. And that very specific, I need a disposable pen that's clicky, that can live in my purse. And uh, weirdly enough, how do I say this nicely? I love my wife. I'm not going to give her an expensive pen. She doesn't use it. She treats it badly. Uh, so I had to go looking for, well, a cheap pen to give her because, you know, I keep looking at all the pens and going, no, that's, that's too nice. She'll just 
to lose it, destroy it. Uh, but digging for a pen for my wife, I found my Baron Fig erasable squire. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you talked about it a little while ago. The one that looks like a pencil yep. with a beautiful blue ink in it. And I saw that and I picked it up and I've been writing with that all week and I've been really enjoying it. Little twisty nubby at the end. It's, it's quite nice. Actually. I've, I forgot how nice it is. I haven't used a squire in a long time. So, uh, I'm quite enjoying it. Very nice. It is nice. I've got one in front of me here. It's on my little desk blotter. Um, they're just very, very handy pens to have about. Yeah. They're nice. Cause you can leave them sort of, uh, ready to go and not worry about knocking them off your desk at all. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. All right, Stu, our topic this week, productivity books mm. written by guys for guys. Uh, so this was a topic brought up by Lisa. Um, she mentioned something that I'd never thought about before that productivity books were written generally by guys for guys and had a very specific opinion. Uh, Stu, you promised to do some research on it. So perhaps you can give us some perspective. I also know that you've talked to Lisa a lot more about this than I have. Well, well actually, uh, the research is currently still in the project stage, which is a nice way of saying I haven't read anything. Um, ah. but, um, I do have a list to go to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really going very slowly through getting things done. Um, I don't know why that is. I keep finding myself rereading and highlighting, which I suspect is what's slowing me down. But um, that said, I think there is probably quite a lot of knowledge in the Canadian side of the podcast on this matter, uh, much to the Canadian surprise, as well as the Cypriot surprise, I suspect. So take it away, Justin. Well, I, this, this question had me looking and thinking about myself. Um, Cause I guess, you know, when, when it comes to stuff that I read, I think I'm gender colorblind and the whole bit. Um, I had never actually thought about it in terms of what an author is in terms of, you know, sex, color, gender, any, uh, anything like that. Um, I'm not saying the point isn't valid. Uh, I just really never thought about it. So I was looking the other day, doing some prep for the show and looking at the book list on my productivity focus bookshelves. And yep, Lisa is correct. Substantially all of the books on my productivity focus bookshelves are written by guys. Mm. Damn, I never knew that. Some of the things that I did actually look at, I was trying to be sort of inclusive and saying, okay, so what have I read that has a female author on it just because I'm curious, have I, have I exposed myself to any, uh, different thoughts? Am I, am I in a bubble on purpose? Is it just that I don't think about it? And certainly there's a lot of good books that uh, I have read that by female authors, but predominantly they're male. Uh, some of the exceptions for the guys to guys book, uh, how to be everything from, uh, Ellie, I think I, messed up the typing of that Wapnik, uh, famous multi potentialites that we talked about Stu and I some while ago, mm -hmm. uh, mindset, Carol Dweck, uh, seminal work. Can't, can't say anything of it. Uh, crossroads of should and must by Ellie Luna. Uh, that one had a deep impact on me, particularly the should part, um, distraction trap by Francis Booth's, um, that one really kind of talks about what we lo we're looking at on focus and all the rest of it. Uh, Donella Meadows, Thinking in Systems. Um, well, we, I don't want to really mention it, but the dreaded Annie Paul Murphy. Um, I hate to say it, but I was kind of doing this little count and oof, maybe only two to 3% of my books are written by women. Um, Weirdly though, Stu, as I was sitting here, I started looking at the rest of my library and going, okay, is this just the productivity racket? Is it the whole writing industry? Um, there are very few books I actually read by female authors. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm looking at my whole book collection, which is, you know, it's been pared down a lot from what it once was before I moved, but it's still fairly substantial. 
And yeah, I just don't read a lot of female authors. I'm not sure if they're out there. I'm not sure why that is. Um, you know, there were some authors, I don't even know what gender they are mm -hmm. um, in some of the books because I'm reading based on subject and not necessarily who the author is as much. But uh, yeah, it's it's surprising. I am really flabbergasted. And I'm kind of questioning myself now. Uh, is it my fault for not searching out alternate viewpoints? Likely. Because um, I didn't even know that they existed. Stu, I feel old and privileged never <laughs> to have had this occur to me before. It's a bit of a... It's a bit of an eye-opener when you look at it and go, oh, yeah, I I never do this. How about you? What's your library look like? Is it, uh, is it sort of uh, stale, male, and pale like mine? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it probably is. I mean, um, my physical library is, is greatly reduced um, in that I've got rid of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um and I think the the productivity uh, racket, as Merlin Mann would have it, is reflective of book writing generally. So if we if we look at published books, i.e., not self published books, then there is undoubtedly a bias um, where many more men get publishing deals than women, uh, which is presumably because they're much better writers. No, it, it's it's because. That's just the way the world works in many, many ways, I think. Um, there are certain genre that, that women far outnumber men. Um, I suppose the, the biggest genre that there is is romance uh, fiction, and women dominate that field. However, everywhere else, um, I think women are probably excluded unfairly, and there is a selection bias um, going on there. I mean, at the risk of mentioning a name that will elicit huge emotional reaction from some people, J.K. Rowling decided to write um, her strike books under a male pseudonym. <laughs> I'm not allowed to read those anymore. My my daughter has uh, banned me from reading any more J.K. Rowling. So there you go. Well, indeed. I mean, does that count to Robert Galbraith as well? Presumably. I mean, the, oh yes. That, Apparently, the last book was very problematic. I okay. have not read it because, uh, you know, uh, daughter and all the rest of it. But yes, I know exactly what you mean. I was actually feeling guilty when I was looking around for my books because uh, I love Harry Potter. And yes, that's, you know, my hardcover Harry Potters are sitting there. And they stuck out as, oh, that's one of my favorite female authors. And there's like, oh, no. But then after that, they got very problematic and... I don't know how to feel about that anymore, Stu. It's very confusing, this whole this whole uh, thing. Uh, I'm old. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, wrote, I wrote in my show note that, you know, wondering towards a comparison between sexes and genders and identities is, um, well, is anathema to most podcasters. I mean, it's just such, such a dangerous place to go um, because I think... There are a few issues. I mean, there, there's a couple of other ones where, I mean, we could talk about guns, I suppose. Um, um, and we could talk about sort of reproductive rights. That would be another one that gets people going. But um, few issues ignite passion and indignation so readily as these questions around uh, sex, gender, identity, etc. Um, and we ultimately, I mean, you and I are, you know, <laughs> middle-aged wasps, although... Uh, technically, I'm a Catholic. I think I can still call myself a, a, a sort of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant for, for the sake of argument. Um, and and we're sort of blundering around this minefield. I'm certain we've already stepped on a couple and we'll probably step on some more. Preemptive apologies to our listeners? Uh, yeah, uh, listen, uh, if I have caused offence, I mean none. Um, I mean, my hypotheses are as follows. One, women are as fascinated by productivity as men but fewer of them get publishing deals because, well, you know, sexism. Uh, two, proportionally, fewer women are fascinated by productivity as men, perhaps because the patriarchy, that's a, that's a good word, already expects women to constantly roll shift from chef to maid to mother to sex goddess every day. Oh, sure. We're not, we're not stepping on anything there, Stu. 
No, nobody's going to find that contentious at all. Uh, and three, um, conditioned by this sort of expectation for them to, to multitask, women have always focused on getting things done rather than writing about getting things done. Uh, now, all of those views are potentially, I think, very sexist. But I think there's a certain amount of truth in all of them. Um, when I look at um, my experience sort of in the workplace, which is the, the most obvious place, that's where I spent most of my time. During the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, I worked um, mostly for men. I can't think of a single female boss I had. I had peers, perhaps. Um, and an observation I would make about peers, so when I was a branch manager way back when, when God was a little boy or girl, um, the branch managers, there were some men, some women. My observation would be that the women had to be better to get that promotion. They had to be tougher. They had to be... They had to perform better than the men. It was a, it was a, an exception rather than the rule that women ascended to those those roles. Um, once I got into the C-suite, which only happened essentially because I, I formed my own company, nobody else was going to put me in one. Um, James, who who was my business partner, we ended up with four divisions, um, and we decided who got what. Um, basically by drawing lots, which is how I ended up with compliance. But um, those four divisions, we had three of them were headed up by women and one was headed up by men. And I was trying just to, to sort of frame this question around productivity generally um, by, by how these three women did, did their jobs, how they performed. And one, the finance manager, um, her approach, you know, if the team was working late, she would be concerned and she would grab everybody together and say, look, we're not doing something properly because we shouldn't be working late. We should be getting what we need to get done, done. Let's, let's work this out. Um, the compliance manager, um, if the team was working late, she would work later. She would, she would just, you know, lead from the front, get everything done. The operations team manager, would turn around and say, well, the team's working late. Okay, we haven't got staffing levels right. We need to get ahead of the growth. We need to hire, we need to recruit. And each of these managers sort of had individual approaches, individual struggles with productivity. And Dustin, I hope you're sitting down. Mm. It was just as though they were men. Heaven forfend. They were individuals different skill sets who knew ha, wow there we go we could have saved ourselves all these landmines and just uh, came up with that and saved the the episode well i mean th that was the conclusion that i came to was that when um you know i would work with 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 certainly my direct reports but with all the managers to a certain extent and and try and uh sort of you know build them up give them tools to deal with these things um, and, you know, generally speaking, they would, they would humor me, um, pretend that I was in some way useful and, um, just sort of gracefully worked around my inadequacies and got on and got everything done. Um, but I suppose where I, where I fall on this at the end is that women are as interested as men in productivity and could, and indeed do write meaningfully about it, but Society is still biased. So although we all get to, to roll the dice, um, we, we men still have the dice loaded in our favour. I mean, particularly us, you know, very pasty men, <clears throat> bringing up your legs again. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so that's a very sort of long-winded way of, of coming around and saying, I'm, I don't know if there's a reason that there are more books um, on productivity by men than women, other than the fact that there are more books by men generally because of the way our society works. Hmm. Is it that men have a propensity to mansplain things and you can mansplain things by putting in a book? Is that part of it too, Stu, do you think? Well, you're talking to someone who loves the sound of his own voice um, and, and enjoys writing things down all the time. I mean, 
if if mansplaining is bad, I'm bad. And mansplaining is bad. And I do get regularly pulled up on it. I mean, if you marry a Sicilian, this kind of goes with the territory. Um, and yeah, I think that's absolutely. I think certainly I, all my life, both uh, in school and at work, was encouraged to speak up, to um, push my point of view, to try and win. Um, and I don't think that, everyone was afforded the same opportunity as me. Um, now, you said you had a list of books um, by female um, authors on productivity. Do you remember any of those titles? Is there anything that stands out or in your discussions with Lisa? Uh, what is the different view in terms of uh, productivity from, from the gender bias? You know, what, what view does, do women have that is different? Cause honestly, I am completely clueless about this, uh, this topic. Well, not having read them, it, it would be dangerous of me to, um, to say what they're about, but the titles give you an indication. So, uh, Lisa mentioned, uh, Winifred Gallagher, um, rapt attention and the focused life. Oh. Zomorodi, um, um, who sounds awfully Hungarian. Um, bored and brilliant, the time management and prioritizing stuff by women like v Laura Van der Kam off the clock, feel less busy while getting more done. There you go. Look at that off the clock, feel less busy while getting more done. There's a title for you. Um, Julia Morgenstern, time management from the inside out and Laura Stack, leave the office earlier. I mean, those last couple sound very much formulaic like the, like the male ones are. You know, write something that uh, is a blog post and turn it into a book. But I haven't read any of them. Um, and I, I mean, I will because, A, it's a subject that I enjoy. And, and like you, I think perhaps a little balance would go a long way. Um, and a lot of this, I think, is to do with productivity is an obsession of the privileged. Um, you know, if you are, uh, you know, doing three jobs to uh, to make rent and have money to put food on the table for your family, then productivity is is an automatic. It's not something you sit around with your thumb up. Your, uh, <clears throat> it's not something you sit around considering. It's something that you live, you know, getting from, from your first job to your second job and getting enough sleep to be able to function. And, you know, to, to sort of sit here and agonize about it is something that is only available to those that are very privileged. Hmm. Um, and And therefore, I guess, is more prone to be written about by other privileged people who by definition will tend to be white and male. Hmm. Very, yeah, I think you're, you're right there. The one thing I was just thinking of, uh, you're going through GTD from um, David Allen at the moment. And I know I did see a while back that he was somewhat problematic because I guess his tickler file system technically came from the secretaries back in the day. The, the females mm -hmm. were the ones that actually had the system and then he, well, took it and made a fortune doing it. Uh, built up a consulting business and all the rest of that stuff. Um, reading through his book again, uh, is there, is there any of that problematic stuff that you're aware of? Again, we're coming from two middle-aged white guys. Is there anything in there that you uh, view as predominantly male-centered? Or is there, uh, is, is it just a male writing a book for everybody? I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've read it, and I've never looked at it with this lens. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, the sort of, modern rewrite is uh there are some problematic languages being removed um and i think the tone is probably better i would say i mean i've not done the side-by-side -side comparison um yeah i think you could argue and many have that you know david allen is a product of the time in which he worked and in the time uh that, that he wrote and you know, as we, I think, have sort of gingerly touched upon, sexism was was not something we'd ever heard of until people pointed out that we were sexist. Certainly that would be true for me. Um, and occasionally I still, you know, when I, I use words 
or, you know, I will sometimes refer to women as girls. Um, and people, various people in my life will say, do you mean girl or is that actually a woman? Um, and it's unintentional bias, I'm sure. But certainly when I first came into the world of work, sexism was very overt. Um, and certainly now, I mean, you probably haven't heard, but the UK there's recently been a report written on the Metropolitan Police Force, which is, you know, the police force of London, the, the you know, the big boys. Um, and essentially, I mean, it's a sort of horrible, racist, sexist, horrific place to work with women routinely being what would be classified as assault. Um, you know, it's it's horrible to the extent of, you know, let's just get rid of it and start again is being suggested. Um, so, I mean, it still exists. And I think people like you and I probably cruise along, not, not realizing it. Um, but if you speak to any woman in your life um, about her experience of, you know, the world of work in the last 20 years, and the stories are quite horrifying. I mean, even, even me, I, I, I hear things. And, you know, I'm reminded occasionally by people that used to work for me 20 years ago, what I was like. Um, and I think that sort of world of work, I, I believe that change is coming, um, that is happening, but much like, you know, matters of race and discrimination, I, I'm not sure it's happening as quickly as it should. Um, and because so much of it is unconscious bias, I don't for a second think that David Allen wrote anything uh, that he thought was sexist or that in any way feels that women are less, lesser than men. Um, but undoubtedly that first version of the book, there was, you know, some very sexist language, uh, which appeared to reflect a very sexist way of thinking about the workplace. Hmm. Um, and you know, I'd say you, both of you and I are framing words and saying words at the moment and going, is that the right word? Not sure that's the right word. Please don't cancel us. <laughs> well, the language of understanding this, I think, is is tough, and I, you know, I I rather think it's better to blunder about making mistakes than not to consider it at all, hmm. which is the alternative. And I think much of sort of the male-dominated world just goes, oh, well, don't talk about it, just don't talk about it, and you can't get in trouble. I'm not sure that's a very helpful approach. Yeah, I know my own approach has has changed. I don't over the last number of years um you're right we're a product of our time i mean my parents grew up using words to describe uh things that uh, you know just they they make me cringe if i think back to some of the things that were you know normal linguistics growing up at a certain age and you know in the early 70s um it's it's very problematic i think I'm doing a pretty decent job of it. I, I work for a company with a lot of uh, younger uh, people in it. Um, I, I'm i very careful to deal with identity uh, in very neutral language to not offend everybody or anybody uh, because it is such a hot take. Um, and I do that out of respect because in a lot of cases, people are just a name and a lot of names now are non-traditional. Um, so you, you won't necessarily be able to make an assumption just looking at a name. So I, I tend to go into gender neutral language. I tend to be uh, certainly respectful of that. Um, I don't, and haven't for a long time, ever really thought about gender bias. I just kind of look at everybody doing their job and I don't care. You know, I've, I've worked with everybody of every, every gender, every uh, race. Um, I don't really care too much about anything. Uh, one of the jobs that I had a while ago was uh, working for a construction company and uh, it was a big, heavy job. And, uh, you know, I was happy to put women um, you know, probably in the mid aughts, uh, that could do the job alongside the men. There was no question of worrying about who was, you know, who was qualified, who wasn't qualified. 
I just looked at each person, said, can you do this job? And you're hired. Uh, but you know, I think that's probably something that I'm a little lucky on that I, I've never really thought about it. I've been a little blind to this whole thing. I've never really seen any overt issues of sexism in the workplace. Um, but you know, I've probably stepped on a few landmines in here and definitely over the course of my career from probably not thinking enough about this issue. And that's the one that really kind of blew me off, blew me away about this topic is I had never considered it. And, uh, yeah, I'm completely naive, old, whatever you want to call that. But, uh, that's the scary part when you don't actually think about the voices that you have in your head. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Lisa mentioned working, um, as a, as a research assistant, um, back in, back in the 1980s and, you know, essentially answering email for her boss, you know, pretending to be him effectively, or at least not overtly stating that she wasn't him. I remember recruiting, um, a, um, a personal assistant in the nineties and sitting her down and saying to, well, you know, I want you to be my girl Friday. You know, you're trying to say that sort of thing, they get punched in the face and rightly so. Um, and, you know, her job was to be an extension of me just to, um, spread my influence and supervision further. And it never even occurred to me that there was anything wrong with that. And, you know, in some ways there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with an assistant, but uh, it certainly would not have occurred to me to hire a man. Hmm. And for some reason, I, I believed to my core, you know, women are better at that. Nonsense. Of course they aren't. I mean, <laughs> you know, some people, some women are going to be good and some not so good. And some men are going to be good and some not so good. I mean, just the same as it is with everything else. I got to blame my mother for all this because, uh, you know, my, my mother was the dominant one in the family. Well, there you go. Bla you can't blame your mother. You've got to blame me a father. Well, okay, maybe I could blame both of them, but yeah, I grew up with a super strong mom uh -huh. that uh, was uh, the, the alpha in the household. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe that's where part of that blindness comes from is just, uh, you know, uh, mom was the primordial, you know, the, the God of the house in some ways. Uh, you, you know, you, I never looked at it as considering that women were anything less growing up, but, uh, yeah, it's very problematic, isn't it? It's a, it's a very tough, tough, uh, topic to talk about. I'm not sure how much I'll have to edit this, uh, episode down, Stu. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, sexism is, is in itself. And if again, that word, but is in itself a huge subject. And I, I, my own feeling would be that the sort of productivity angle that we came at this from it's just a reflection of that more general um, sexism that exists in the world still. But there is, I think, also probably the, the self-help type area. So reading about uh, productivity or, you know, um, performance. I, yeah, again, I think it's probably more men than, than women in, in that. And, you know, you might argue it's because men are more gullible, I guess, you know. Hang on, just let read my blog post of ten easy ways to you know make a million or whatever. Um, I don't know whether whether women go in for that sort of stuff. I, I suspect they probably do, just as much as men. But it, it is an interesting uh, idea that certain areas seem to attract more um, gender bias than others. I don't know if that's true. It's just. A, you know, something is rattling around my head as a consequence of, of Lisa's questions. Mm -hmm. Do you go, I guess, do you go out of your way to hmm. get contrary opinions? I use the word contrary because I'm assuming that women are writing something different. And I, I don't think they are. I think they're probably uh, writing similar stuff focused on a slight different I don't know what the differences are. I've never read it. So, you know, again, pure speculation. But um, do you go out of the way to get different viewpoints in your reading? And this is something I don't do necessarily, uh, unless it's a 
controversial topic I really want to figure out about. But a lot of things, you know, GTD for me, um, or, you know, productivity in general, I should say. I'm reading productivity books so that I can pick out a snippet or two that helps me. And I'm, I'm not sure that I even uh, would think that there's something missing from that. How do you identify these gaps? Is there, is there a process that you go through? Or it sounds like you're probably on the same, same page as me at this point and kind of go, oh, didn't even realize that was uh, a voice that I was missing in this, in this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I approach it from the point of view now of having got a little bit older, that there is no single answer to any of these questions. And each individual is looking for different things anyway. I mean, any attempt to be more productive, I suspect, is about control. And it's about, uh, it's about feelings more than it is anything measurable. And so um, GTD, per se, gives one the illusion of being in control of all of the things that are on one's plate. Now, you're no more in control of those things with GTD than you are without GTD. It just feels better. So have we become a feelings podcast? <laughs> no, but I think ultimately feelings are what define um, how people I was about to say feelings are what define how people feel. Hmm. No, feelings are, are about how people consider they are doing against some sort of imaginary scale. So what getting things done for me is doing is saying, right, okay, I have all these things, but I know how I want to progress them. Ultimately, any productivity hack tip system can mask a fundamental problem which you know cal newport et al would argue is that people are trying to do too much it's not a case of um how justin's doing it how lisa's doing it how stuart's doing it it's just that there's way too much of it and you know nasty capitalist bosses are piling more and more work on everyone's plate because the more that gets done, the more money they make. Um, and I therefore question all of these systems. When I'm looking at things and I read tips or hence, I think, okay, yeah, I could implement that. That's great. Um, I try now very much to find a source that says the opposite. Uh, so people will know, uh, you know, I've been sort of, I'm, I'm very enthused by stoicism and I read a lot about it. I'm now trying to find why is sto stoicism nonsense? Like, that's the sort of thing that I'm looking for because I want to understand the, the counterpoints to it because uh, I think that gives you a much, much better chance. But professionally, I, I learned a long, 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 long time ago that the answer is always with the quietest person in the room, always, without exception. I was just thinking you probably should have done your research on why stoicism was a bad thing before you got it tattooed. <laughs> I've done some of it. Um, I've, I've been exploring um, all sorts of um, philosophy and you, you gave me some really good tips on Eastern philosophy to, to you know, to read up on. And you know, it, it's something that I'm enjoying learning and reading about. Um, like I say the the whole stoicism thing with me is I, I'm an accidental stoic. I was stoic before I knew what one was. I wish I was the same way. <laughs> I wear my heart on my sleeves, Stu. And, well, apparently my sne sleeves aren't long enough for this episode. All <laughs> right, you got any takeaways? Um, yeah, well, first of all, thank you to Lisa for making two old men think a little bit. Um, the question that I ask myself is why? Why are there fewer female presidents, fewer female prime ministers, fewer female CEOs, fewer female productivity writers? Why? That's the question I want to get to the bottom of. What about you? What's your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway is just a bit of a wake-up call, really, something I've never really thought about. And now that I am, as um, 
rather rather troubling. I, I always thought I was quite enlightened, but I've never actually taken the time to look at, say, the who is the author, uh, you know, to read. Are they based on a different gender, race, orientation, whatever? Um, I, I need to get out more. I think that's my takeaway. I need to get out more and think more, Stu. I need to get in the mountains and do some more deep thinking. That's what I need to do. And um, why not? I'm not hiking up them the way Claire does. Mm. All right. Where can people find you on the interwebs this week, Stu? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, where I shall, I suspect, be musing on all sorts of things of GTD um, and you know, perhaps about why. There could be a lot of why going on in my world. Um, if you're interested in anti-money laundering, heaven help you. Um, www.limeconsulting.com is my uh, consultancy company. Um, or you could drop me an email, hello at stuartlennon.com, or both Justin and I can be got at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Uh, easiest place to get links to everything is justintwyford.com, uh, or you can find me on YouTube. I'm still making a weekly video at Beyond Your Front Door. Uh, having fun doing that. Uh, my latest video has drone footage, so if you want to see what uh, I look like from a distance and up high, there you go. Um, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues to help the show grow. I'm not sure this is the best episode for, uh, you know, uh, giving out to everybody. So oof, we shall see. <laughs> Our next topic is how do you set up for deep work? I think this gets us back onto a topic that we're much more comfortable with, Stu. Uh, for sure. All right. Until then, have a great week. Stay productive. Yes, us.